0: This is Ready Radio, preparing you to be ready for anything. Now, here's your survival guide for Ready Radio, John Rush. All right, it is Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining in today. We do appreciate it very much. Live show today, this is March the 3rd of 2023 so if you're listening to a replay show you know exactly what day it is and the uh the recording that you're actually hearing but it is a live show and if you want to call in and ask questions you're more than welcome to do that as well 303-477-5600 today i got a special guest he's been with us before he is a youtube star as well robert spagnolo but spags for short robert welcome bobby i should say bobby how are you
1: Pretty good. How are you doing, John?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. You guys at EMP Shield, by the way, because that's really your kind of your mainstay. You guys have been pretty busy, haven't you?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's been an intense month. We just set a record with the company in February, so it's been crazy.
0: Oh, so anything new that you want to update folks on, or what's going on there?
1: Well, it's a combination of several things, just the geopolitical spectrum with everything yeah. from the Chinese balloons to the South China Sea.
0: Yeah, and, and I've talked about this even in previous weeks. You know, even, kind of knowing that you're coming on here in the near future anyways, we'll talk about EMP Shield and just some of the other things, you know, preparedness-wise. But, you know, I and I've actually got, for those of you listening, too, here, I think next Friday I'm doing my very best. The author that wrote, you know, one second after, one day after that series of books, that trilogy, if you would, trying to get him on next week as well because he's – You know, I guess you could say, Bobby, kind of an expert in the EMP end of things as well, has studied that a lot, like you guys have. And it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about what our threat position is. I think, personally, and I'll ask you the same question, I think our threat's very high right now. What are your thoughts?
1: I think we're probably the highest we've ever been for the threat of EMP. It's a bloodless weapon, and a nation can use a proxy state to detonate one, wash their hands of it, and say we never killed anybody.
0: Right. And in essence... They didn't. And I think that's really key. They didn't. It's the lack of preparedness from the individuals that would be in the United States of America as to why people die. Am I right in saying it that way?
1: 100%. Water sanitation, trash sanitation, medical uh, needs, special medical needs, all the things that most people take for granted would be gone within a matter of a day.
0: Yep, and we've talked about it, and I think the numbers actually are fairly low. But I, I think, and I know the stats say, you know, 30, 40% of Americans would be dead in the first 30 days. I'm not trying to be, you know, mean spirited, Bobby, but after looking around and just being more observant to the general population and, th- and how things are handled and so on, and even when we get snowstorms and things like that here in Colorado, you know, I think that number's really low, frankly.
1: I really do, too. When you consider the number of Americans who are obese, type 2 diabetic, heart problems, and hypertension, all due to a really bad diet, that's going to come into play in ways that I'm not even sure the numbers crunchers are are considering.
0: You know, let's talk about that for a moment as well, because you, you bring up something. I mean, just the—let's think about it this way. Just the shift in what people would be eating— and and what effect that might have on some individual and just their their body, their body type, what they've been used to eating versus what they will then have to start eating. Not saying that's going to be death for some folks, but for some it may yeah, it may actually be for some folks their death nail, Bobby, because depending upon how well they're you know how wh- what they've been eating now versus what they will be eating in the future, their body could just go into literal shock and say I, I'm not doing this.
1: It absolutely could, considering that most preppers who aren't very forward-thinking, what do they do? They stack beans and rice. There's nothing in beans and rice that's going to prevent scurvy, rickets, calcium deficiencies, yep. and all the other vitamins that you're not going to get from just a starch and carbohydrate diet. It's it's just not going to work.
0: No, and, and we know, even from watching, those listening, please uh, hear me when I say this. You can watch any of the survival-type shows Uh, You know, that are out there and literally, Robert, you see this as well as I, without proper protein and the fat to go along with that protein, people die.
1: Yes. You watch those shows up in Alaska and Canada and various places where they drop people off and if all they get is a moose or a bear or 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 rabbits they'll straight up tell you i cannot live on this in fact it's detrimental to eat nothing but this and they have to find a fat source
0: right and if they don't have that fat source and now, some of them, and to their credit, they fatten up pretty good before they actually get on the show. And I think some of them do yeah. fairly well along those lines living off of their own. But, again, that's not, that's not really the way to do it. That's not healthy either. And for a lot of folks, if, if an EMP or something, you know, let's, let's, say, let's face it too, Robert, it doesn't just have to be an EMP. It could be just a power grid that's gone down that's been hacked. There's all sorts of things along those lines that can happen as well. Bottom line, uh, without power, most people would not know what to do tomorrow.
1: Correct. They wouldn't know what to do for a light source. They wouldn't know what to do for a heat source. And they certainly wouldn't know what to do for cooking.
0: All right. So, Bobby, again, real quick, EMP Shield is who you work for. You've also got your own YouTube channel we'll talk about in a moment. So what can folks expect to find at EMP Shield? And what separates you from a lot of the other quote-unquote devices that are on the market?
1: Uh, What separates us is speed. Our devices are nanosecond technology. We're shunting in trillionths of a second. Almost every other, in fact, every other product that I've researched and that I've looked into cannot match the speed that we have. So essentially we shunt the overage away quicker than the heat can build up in your wiring in your devices to damage things.
0: And really quick, I want to make sure that we that we explain this properly as well, because I think there's some misconceptions on you know, an overall, quote-unquote, surge protector, surge protector versus what EMP Shield is doing. An EMP strike is not necessarily a—well, it isn't. It's not a surge of power. It's an electromagnetic pulse. That's what the EMP stands for. It, it's not a surge of power, is it?
1: Uh, not in the traditional sense. I mean, I suppose if you were to go by classic definitions, it is a surge and that a huge amount of overage of is happening in a fast way amount of time
0: but it's not like um, the but, power company where all of a sudden voltage spikes that's not what's happening right
1: right when those spikes happen we're talking much lower levels of electricity when an EMP happens we're talking ridiculous amounts uh, I believe for military testing they tested I believe fifty thousand volts per square meter our devices were tested up to eighty thousand volts per square meter because we okay. wanted to supersede the standards
0: now I know and and I've had some folks that have looked and Have bought after looking and doing the research and even speaking to you, which I appreciate very much. So, again, folks, if any of you have any questions, uh, EMP Shield, they're always there to answer questions. So if you have something that you're like, listen, I just don't quite understand and I can't wrap my head around all of this, pick up the phone. Here's the phone number really quick, by the way, 620-412-9978. You can find that on our website, ready-radio.com. As well. Uh, But I think, Robert, what some people have a hard time, you know, kind of wrapping their head around is just how can some little device with just a few wires coming out of it do the things you're claiming it's doing it you know it would seem to me that it would need to be this much larger device it would have to be you know you know something that's extremely significant yet yours is actually a very simple and it's actually an easy install it can be used uh by the way for everybody listening it can be used on your vehicle it can be used on your house there's there's all sorts of uses for this right bobby
1: that's correct if there's an electrical system out there we are likely protecting it, and we can protect other forms of electrical systems, too. To your question about the size of the box, the size is actually not terribly important. Um, In fact, recently we released a new model called the Micro, which is a smaller scaled-down version of a 12-volt unit you can put on your car. Um, The the magic sauce in the box is is speed. Having a certain cascading effect of different technologies inside that box allows the box to shunt that overage extremely fast. Okay. And there's three different levels, so it's called load sharing. So when the EMP or the lightning strike or the CME, whatever the case is, when it happens, the first technology in that box that detects it starts immediately shunting, okay? So it's taking that overage, sending it straight to ground. As a certain level starts to build up within that first technology, the second technology Jumps in and starts load sharing from the first technology. And there's three systems of that inside of the EMP shield. So you don't just have one surge protector. You basically have three different technologies inside that box that will ultimately load share that uh, overage and is still capable with the speeds discussed to shunt and protect your device.
0: And again, when you, excuse me, folks, but when you look at the device, you're going to be, again, you're going to question, okay, is this thing, you know, I mean, I hate to say this, Bobby, but it's almost like this thing looks too good to be true. This thing's not that big. It's not that expensive, by the way, for all of you listening. In fact, there's a deal on it right now. If you go to uh, actually go to ready-radio.com, you can go there. There's, a, there's actually a code you can use that, you know, uh, allows us to share with them some of the things that are going on. So you can actually click on that, go right to EMP Shield, which we would appreciate you doing. But when you look at the device, you're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, timeout. There's no way this little device that I can put either on my home or my vehicle or, to your point, Bobby, all sorts of other devices you might, you might have, uh, people are going to look at that and say, um, really?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, and before I worked for them, when I knew the guys who helped develop this technology and who were working with the company before I started for them. And when they first told me about it, I had the same exact reaction. Um until I read the paperwork and the military testing, Dr. William Radowski from the US EMP Commission personally tested these devices. He says they work. And after I signed the NDA and learned all the magic, you know, and a lot of it is, is complete nerd math. Um, right. so it's you know some of it's still above me. But when I was shown what this thing does and how it works, I became a believer.
0: Well, again, folks, this isn't something to be Take him lightly, and it's not a, you know, as-seen-on-TV kind of a device where these guys are here today, gone tomorrow, and they just take your money and run. In fact, Bobby, let's talk about that for a minute. How long have you guys been around doing this?
1: Since 2019.
0: Okay. So this didn't just happen yesterday, did it?
1: Correct. It's been a long time coming. In fact, the device was being invented. The, the man who invented the technology was working on it for several years, even before the company formed.
0: Okay. And for those of you listening to, and there's this is where we can talk about this for a minute too, Bobby. Because I I firmly believe as a car guy, and and that's my as you know that's my background. And there's differences mm, of yep. opinions on you know what cars will survive and which ones won't. And, and I I personally feel that the majority of vehicles, um, some may actually start and run, but I think they're going to have so many other problems associated with them that they may not run very well and might not even make it from A to B because of all the different modules and things that are on a vehicle that, by the way, unless all of that is protected, which you guys do, uh, that vehicle is pretty much going to be inoperative. Even some of the older vehicles where you don't have all of the newer technology, but everything on the vehicle to make it run and operate is still electronic, I still feel those vehicles are not going to run. Now, there's differences of opinion. There's some folks out there that claim that, no, that's not the case. The vehicle itself is a shielding device and so on. And Robert, I don't know. As a car guy, I just have a hard time wrapping my head around knowing how vulnerable vehicles are in and of themselves, knowing that even if somebody hooks up jumper cables backwards, it can wipe out, you know, the main ECU on a vehicle. I just have a hard time believing that. I'm sorry.
1: No, um, I'm glad you brought this up because I get asked this when I go to trade shows or when I'm in interviews all over the place. The fact is all vehicles, mostly modern ones, are susceptible. The idea that a car is shielded is incorrect. You have the entire underneath side of your, of, your, yep. of your vehicle. And what people don't understand with an EMP, when that, when that overage is coming down from the ionosphere and bombarding the earth, it penetrates the ground until it hits bedrock. And we now know that those waves bounce back up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Any exposed wiring, anything underneath the, uh, the chassis of your car is not shielded at all. Even if you have a skid plate on yeah, the underneath side shielded. of your vehicle, it's no, not right. shielded at all. That's right. It's not grounded. It's not shielded one bit. Um, And so what we generally find is the best course of action is anything pre, I'm sorry, post 1974 and newer needs a device.
0: I think you're. I think you're correct on that. Now there are some of those devices or some of those vehicles back in the seventies where, if you had a module, for example, so you take a GM unit with an HEI distributor and there's really just one module that runs everything there. Providing you've got a spare module tucked away somewhere in a Faraday box where you know that module is not going to be bothered, you could pretty easily take the distributor cap off, put a new module in, and probably be okay because there's not much else. There really, there's nothing else on that vehicle electronic that would keep it from running. But that, you know, Bobby, that only lasts until about 1980. Everything from about 80, 81 up starts to get really tricky when it comes to you know, everything controlling, you know, f- everything from, if, especially if it's fuel injected, you know, the fuel injection end of things to the timing to even the transmission, how it shifts and so on. And you brought up a good point a moment ago too, which I think folks even in the industry, you know, the automotive industry tend to forget. Even though a lot of the late model computers that we have, that we now have, there's some of them are even mounted under the hood now. And they're pretty much shielded. I think that unit itself would be shielded because it's in a nice aluminum box. It most likely would be shielded. The componentry, you know, in it, in an in and of itself would be shielded but you brought up something interesting uh, bobby which a lot of folks don't think of the wiring going in and out of it is not the battery itself all of the componentry that's on that vehicle outside of that particular unit in fact all the other computers are typically in little plastic boxes and those would definitely be affected so even if the ecm being shielded in the aluminum box like a lot of them are bobby th- just because that is shielded doesn't mean everything coming in and out of it is
1: that's correct, and those wires coming in and out would be the Achilles' heel. To be a true Faraday box, you have to have complete and utter disconnect from everything. Right, complete closure, those wiring, right? Right, and those wires going in and out allow a conduit for that overage to travel. It becomes part of the massive antenna, and when you're getting induction from an EMP, it's inducing from all directions. It's not just you know, a pinpoint that comes down. You're talking about thousands of square miles worth of area of induction.
0: Hmm.
1: So that wire would absolutely be an Achilles heel
0: yep. into that ECA. Well, and, and people don't realize this. A lot, of, a lot of vehicles have, I don't know if I could say miles of wire, but I'm, I guess if you took every wire on every vehicle, went end to end with it, you might very well come close to a mile. And some of the EVs, of course, even have way more wiring than that. There's some, there's some rumors out there that some of the EVs have several miles of wiring. So to your point, think of it as being almost one big, large wired antenna rolling around on rubber tires.
1: Yep, that's exactly
0: what it is. And, it, and it's very, very susceptible. Now, I don't have um, – how, do, how should I say this? I know it's hard over the radio to explain to people what you're actually doing, and I know there's some intricate things that you guys do that you really can't get into, the, the patents and so on. But essentially, you're taking all of that extra power, quote-unquote, that pulse, and you're just shunting it right to ground, correct? Correct
1: for the home models and things of that yes for the vehicle models it shunts between the frame and the battery because you can't really have a grounded vehicle when you have four rubber tires so it's going to shunt to the frame of the vehicle and cyclically draw it down again faster than the heat can build up that's and, what I think and and a you, lot know, of you know I talk about that for a moment too it's
0: not just the power overload itself that's wiping things out it's the heat that's causing the overload or that's causing the damage i guess is the way i should say that right
1: Right. The E1 portion is going to hit a lot of things and kill them instantly. The E2 portion will do the same. It's that E3 portion that can last up to eight hours. That's the real killer. The big, long sections of of grid, you know, the lines and and the the miles of electrical wiring, and everything like that is going to be taking that hit for up to eight hours. That heat's going to build up over that entire amount of time, and things become so hot it fries everything.
0: Yep. Now technology the same for home versus auto, or are they two completely different boxes?
1: They're two completely different boxes. Your home is going to be alternating current, and your vehicle is going to be direct current, a 12-volt system.
0: Okay, which I knew, but I wanted everybody else out there to understand. You can't do one for the other. And In other words, they're not interchangeable. Home is home. Auto is auto.
1: That is correct, and, and it's the same for other DC versus AC stuff. So, for example, if you have a mobile home, you're probably going to need three devices. You're going to need a 12-volt Model on the battery. Mm -hmm. You're going to need an AC plug-in unit for the back, and in some cases, you have that third system, which is also a DC system on the larger of the uh, of the uh, mobile homes. Um, Your solar uh, systems can be DC or AC. We make multiple units that work with solar panel arrays and things of that nature. Whole home generators are AC, so. Everything that we do is based on voltage, and it depends on the voltage of the, of the system we're protecting that okay. will depend on the unit that matches to it.
0: Just got a text message in, too, Bobby. said, ask how the device connects to the panel in the home.
1: It mounts directly to your breaker box. Um, you're going to have four wires, red, black, green, and white. Your red and your black are your positive and your negative, and those are going to go to two separate 15-amp or better breakers on either side of your breaker panel box. Okay. Now you can also use those tandem breakers and put them on one side because it hits both legs of that single phase power coming into your home okay then then you're going to have the green and the white wire, and those are going to attach to the bus bars on both sides of your box and that way both legs of that single phase power is 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 protected okay and there's videos on the website that are from our YouTube channel that actually show home installs and vehicle installs. people can go watch it the information's there
0: okay now question for you. Uh, and I think I already know the answer to this, if you've got sub-panels, I'm assuming those are going to get protected because you're protecting the main panel, but if you've got a house where maybe you've got a main panel that's running the upstairs, but there's another main panel that's wired right off of the meter, in other words, they just legged right off of the meter and they went to that bottom panel, if you're not running a sub-panel, in other words, they're both independent of one another, you need two devices, right?
1: That is correct. If they're in line, you'll be fine. Okay. If, there's, if the service coming in is different, you need to have um, protection on both devices.
0: Okay, dumb question uh, on my looks- part, but I'm guessing somebody out there is thinking it if I am as well. Is there a way to protect right at the meter for those people that may have more than one breaker panel?
1: Uh, there most likely is. I don't think we currently make a device that would work at the meter. We are working with several electrical co-ops to make a meter-based device that would have an audible alarm, and that's uh, still in production.
0: Okay, so that's something that might be coming on down the road.
1: That's correct. And the issue is that, you know, generally speaking, a homeowner can attach things to his breaker box. Not to the, the meter, meter box, though. By, by the, the, meter, the meter itself yep. is owned by the, by the co-op or, or the state or whatever the power uh, correct. company is. So, yeah, you have, we're actually working with co-ops right now in Kansas to, de- to develop these devices in a way that they can be used by the co-ops and by okay. the electrical grid. All
0: right, guys, hang tight. We, if you have any questions, by the way, more of them, we've got uh, Bobby Spaggs with us. And, uh, again, he is from EMP Shield, and he's also got his own YouTube channel, which you can go check out as well. In fact, really quick before we go to break, Bobby, what is your YouTube channel?
1: Uh, for those who are brave enough to try it out, it's called Spags Unfiltered. It is separate from EMP Shield. It is just my little... My Mm -hmm. little corner of the Internet. uh, And it's not for
0: kids. So, you know, if you go there because, you know, it's, it's adult language is probably the best way to say that. Right, Bobby?
1: That That is correct. I was in the Army a long time, and I still sometimes talk like okay. it.
0: Okay. <laughs> all right, we'll be right back. And, again, I say this all the time, Stack Optical, uh, Alan Stack, if you need anything when it comes to eyewear. And that's a big deal even in the preparedness world because you've got to make sure you can see when the you know, crap hits the fan, if you would. Make sure that you've got everything handled there and backup plans as well. If you don't, talk to Alan Stack. He can help you with all of that and what would actually be the best uh, – probably the best – set of eyewear you could wear in a situation like what Bobby and I are talking about right now. And yes, those things are things you need to think about, especially if you have to have glasses to see. Some of you out there listening couldn't function without glasses. If that's you, you got to get to Stack Optical and get that taken care of. Allen Stack, 303-321-1578. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat
2: You need a roof that is going to keep you and yours protected from the Colorado elements this winter. But having a reliable, functioning roof doesn't mean you should have to compromise your bank account. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement with a rejuvenation treatment. This 100% plant-based product gives you new roof performance without new roof costs. But sometimes a replacement is absolutely necessary. With over 20-plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your family. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. Contact Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado, today, and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916, or go to roofsaversco.com today to ensure your family is protected.
0: All right, we are back. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Again, you can go right to the website, ready-radio.com or ready-radio.com. And For those of you that don't know what the dash is, that is the little dash or the little line next to the zero on a keyboard without pushing the shift key. That's what I mean by dash. So ready, yeah, not D-A-S-H. It's ready-radio.com. ready And I did get, uh, by the way, just a moment ago during the break, I just got a message that, yes, uh, William fortune he is a phd he wrote the trilogy one second after there's actually three different books there he is going to join us next friday at the exact same time so it'll be a uh, that'll be a huge uh, time and you're really just looking forward to that as well so so bobby maybe i'll ask to sh- send you that show because he's a guy that thinks exactly like we do of course
1: oh that would be so cool that book alone has woken up more people to the threat of emp and yep. other post apocalyptic concepts than probably any other book
0: Yep, I'm really looking forward to having him on. When I sh- when I saw that come up today in my inbox, I'm like, oh, yeah, we got to have him on because he's <laughs> I mean, he's the one really, I'll be honest, Bobby, he's the one that really, after reading that, several different listeners over the years say, you got to read the book, got to read the book, got to read the book. So I finally stopped, did. Well, then once I read one, I read the other two as well. And it's like, holy cow. And, and I think, and I'll ask him this, but I think he's very generous even in his assumptions on some of the things even you and I opened up with as far as how many people will actually perish in the first 30, 60 days if something like that were to happen.
1: Sure. And when that book was written, you know, that was some time ago, Mm -hmm. and things are a little bit different in the world today, especially, like I said, just in basic health. You know, things have deteriorated, quite frankly. Well,
0: and if you look at what happened during COVID, Bobby, people are so much more dependent now. On, you know, let's face it, government taking care of them that. Yeah. And and I'll be again, I'm going to be anxious. I mean, one of my number one questions I ask him next Friday just is, you know, would he revise any of his numbers now knowing what we know today versus when he wrote the book?
1: Oh God, that would be in that's going to be a fun interview. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely uh, find that and listen
0: to that. <laughs> well, uh, once we're all said and done, I'll send it to you. And and, uh, and again, appreciate you guys as well. And again, for you for those of you listening, EMP Shield. That's really you know Bobby's mainstay. Yes, he's got his YouTube channel as well. Spags Unfiltered, but EMP Shield. And there's a link right on our website that will take you right to EMP Shields as well. So again, just go to ready-radio.com. But Let's get back to the EMP sides of things. And again, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. And I know, Bobby, you would agree with me. We are not, by any stretch of the imagination, trying to scare anybody into doing anything, buying anything, nothing along those lines. This is st- simply just a preparedness measure. But I think the other thing we need to make note of, too, Bobby, is that you know, electronic or you know, electromagnetic pulses don't just come from a device that's launched from a foreign country. They can come from the sun itself. Correct.
1: That's correct. It's called a coronal mass ejection. And we get hit with them quite often, actually. And last year, mid-year, sometime at the end of summer, early fall, I believe there were some places up by the Great Lakes that were affected by rolling brownouts due to uh, solar activity.
0: Okay. So we don't just have to sit around and wait for a foreign country to do something. We've got even natural causes of this. my point is, you may not think that anything like this from a foreign country is ever going to happen. You, you know what? I don't have a crystal ball I don't know either, but I do know there's natural things that happen that that we really need to be protected from as well
1: right, and there's also the threat of lightning, and that's probably one of the most mm. interesting things about this device. You know it was devised for purpose a but in solving. The problem behind Purpose A, we solve problems across the board. We are the only device on the market with a guaranteed lightning protection insurance clause.
0: I did not know that. You know what? I don't think we've ever talked about that before. So talk about that, if you would, for a moment.
1: Sure. Uh, You go to the store. You buy a a, a $30 surge protector. You plug it into the wall. You plug your TV into that surge protector, and you get struck by lightning. The little surge protector, of course, isn't going to protect your stuff. But they might claim that they do. So what will have to happen is you'll have to contact your homeowner's insurance, file a claim, go mm-hmm. through the headache of all of that, which anyone who's ever had to do it understands what I mean by mm-hmm.
0: that.
1: Mm-hmm. Pay, your, pay your deductible. Your rates are probably going to go up, and then you can contact the company to file through most of their insurance, uh, co- their insurance companies. EMP Shield has a standalone policy per device, and what that means is you do not have to go through all of that. You put this on your house. It doesn't work for whatever reason. You contact us. We put you in in touch with our insurance underwriters, and our product is specifically guaranteed up to a $25,000 replacement cost per unit.
0: Okay. So, I, and by the way, I know what you're talking about when it comes to the, it's some of the other surge protection devices that are out there because I've talked about that before even on some other shows and so on, and some of them are... How should we say this, uh, Bobby? To your point, they'll advertise that they're doing some things, but, and a lot of them, by the way, if you read the fine print on the product, they will tell you that Well, while they protect your devices, what they'll really tell you is, oh, if our device fails, we'll give you a new one, but no, we're not covering anything else that touches it.
1: Right. Or they'll say in their insurance policy, does not cover acts of God. Well, what in the hell is a lightning strike? Right. Right. So while they'll claim that their product can protect you against lightning, they won't financially back that up. Our insurance policy absolutely backs it up. It's the only insurance policy of its type.
0: So in other words, you have an issue at all, you guys are backing that up, period. Correct. All right. uh, let's see here. Where do we go from here, Bobby? I mean, again, EMP Shield, folks, those of you listening, it's empshield.com. Best way to find it is go to ready-radio.com. So we've got everything from an EMP. We've got solar flares. You guys will protect against lightning. What am I missing? Is there anything else that I need to cover that we didn't cover yet as far as that goes?
1: Mm, I don't think so. I think those are the main points. At this point, it's up to people to go onto the website and do the research. Um, even though I do work for them, I specifically and very much stress to folks: don't just buy it because you're hearing a voice on the radio or on YouTube or on you know TV. Actually, look at it. We have an EMP library on the website, including the testing results that we have undergone. All of that is public information. Do your research.
3: Yeah. Look Good into point.
1: it. And then when you are good and comfortable, use code REDIRADIO and get $50 off your unit.
0: There you go. Now, also, Robert, along those lines, this is something I think folks need to realize, too, is, okay, they're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to protect my house, but if the power company didn't do anything and there's no power, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a big difference, because if everything has gone bad inside of your home, even if you're somebody that's got the ability to have some portable generation, or you may even have a generator, which, by the way, we'll talk about that, that needs protected as well, you're thinking, oh, I'll be okay, I'll just fire things up afterwards and we'll be up and running. It doesn't work that way, does it, Bobby?
1: No, your generator has to be protected. It is still a large antenna, and it still has electronic components, and it still can fail. And it will fail. An emp size event will absolutely kill your generator. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, put one on your generator. And also consider this. For the folks who say it doesn't matter because the grid will go down, yes, the grid will go down. But yep. every country with nuclear weapons has plans to bring the grids up. Every one of them, ours included. So whether it's a foreign country that hits us and then they come over here and occupy, they don't want to occupy dead farmland. They're going True. to bring the system back up. True. If we repel them, we will bring our own system back up. Do you want to spend $40,000, $60,000 to rewire your whole house and to replace everything you own? or do you want to put a $339 box on the side of your breaker panel box and save it all so that when the grid is brought back up, you can plug into whatever replaces it?
0: Yep. Yep. That's a great way of saying that, by the way. And I think what you said, too, is really key that, yeah, nobody wants to go into a dead country. Now, if we repel them and we do those things and, you, you know, you read one second after and you kind of listen to all the things that happen or you, you read whatever happens, you know, in the book, according to um, to William – uh point being if we repel the enemy we don't you know they don't end up here uh the reality is and i think the stats out there are pretty pretty accurate on this bobby it could take up to a year to restore the grid and to your point even when that does come back if you haven't shielded yourself properly what are you going to come back to
1: right and you know a lot of that is hypothetical we've never had this happen nope. we don't know how long it will take but i think a year is probably a conservative estimate it took decades to build the grid and it's taking decades for yep. the grid to get into states of disrepair. It's taking yep. decades to replace. We don't know how long it will take. But my guess is they'll start in major urban metropolitan areas and, and slowly work their way out, right?
0: I think you're right. So, yeah. and, and keep I in mean, mind, too, this is something, and you know this, too, Bobby. The other thing we have to think about along those lines, too, and everybody listening, please hear me in this. We've got a lot of componentry in our own grid. Don't ask me why, but we've got a lot of componentry in our own grid that relies on other countries' manufacturing capabilities to make sure that that grid, that transformer, that, that switching device, whatever it happens to be, they're not all made in America is my point, Bobby. You know that as well as I.
1: That's correct, and especially chips, which is why even the current administration, think of them what you will, is working to get yep. chips manufacturing brought back to the U.S. through the CHIPS Act which we're actually working to be a part of. Um, yeah, I've read a little bit about that. In fact, I've got strong. some guests.
0: For those of you listening, I might even have some special guests this next week on Rush to Reason talking about uh, that CHIP Act. And, yeah, to your point, Bobby, that's sort of a probably one of the very few bipartisan things we're doing right now to try to get some manufacturing back on the U.S. soil.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we need to stop being dependent on foreign nations, especially yep. foreign nations who are – for lack of a better word, enemies.
0: Yeah, yeah, they don't like us. All right, I got a call coming in really quick. Mike, you're on the phone with Bobby Spaggs. What's going on, Mike?
3: Hey, how you doing? Good, sir. I, I have a question. I am an electronic person,
1: but I keep an old transistor radio just for emergency use, and I want to know if that's uh, susceptible to EMP or should I just wrap it in foil and call it a day? Does that transistor radio plug into your wall? No, no. This is transistor that you know, an old one. It's probably this transistor
3: radio is probably forty years old.
1: Okay, so it doesn't have a, it does not have a power supply separate from it that it no. uses.
3: No. Yeah, I would no, Faraday cage not- that,
1: quite frankly. Say that yeah, again, so Bobby. It's probably okay. I said I would Faraday cage that if I were you. Um, we make antenna models for ham radios, but those, of course, have power supplies. They plug into the wall, that sort of thing. Uh, that radio would likely be susceptible because it is a large enough antenna. Um, so if you're concerned about something like that, I would certainly put that in a Faraday cage. Yeah, because that's the only communication we're going to have if there's a large enough EMP uh, event.
0: You're probably right, Mike. Correct. Yep, I think you're right. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: Okay. All right. That's what I needed. Great
0: question, by the way, Mike. Thank you. And so, so Bobby, what you're just saying, and I think I heard that correctly, and I hadn't thought about that prior. Just because it's not plugged into the wall, it could be just all standing on its own and not even plugged in. You're just using it as that as a spare radio if that time were to ever happen. But because it's such a quote unquote large antenna, it's susceptible as well as what you're saying.
1: That's correct. Like what we know now through, you know, more modern testing with this stuff is things like your small, tiny flashlights, your weapon lights, you know, if you have a yeah. sight on your gun and it's got a battery in it, things like that will probably be okay. Your cell phones will be okay because modern cell phones have to be shielded by law. Okay. Now the satellites and the towers aren't going to be fine unless they become protected in some way between now and then. But you'll still be able to turn your cell phone on. But anything much larger than that, even a handheld you know, radio, be it a, just a two-way radio or a, or a ham radio that's a, a handheld device, they are susceptible. They are an antenna. They mm-hmm. will induce that overage.
0: Okay. And, and, again, afterwards, if you don't have any kind of, of power storage and you haven't figured out some solar devices, things along those lines, good luck on the cell phone working after the battery goes dead because you'll have no way of charging that unless you've got some sort of a backup plan, Right.
1: Right. You're going to have to book Eli V-line across the country uh, going to little charging stations and hoping they'll trade for ChapStick.
0: And, and again, <laughs> keep this in mind, too, folks. And, Bobby, you're right on this. Unless the cell phone companies themselves become hardened, that two-way radio, which is all a cell phone is, that two-way radio will really not be probably very usable. And if it is, it's going to be very, very spotty. It will not be like it is today.
1: Well, sure, there's going to be a reverberation in the ionosphere that during that E3 portion. You know, That's going to be a, a, a several minutes to eight hours, depending on the size of the weapon used. But even after that, you're going to have aurora issues in the sky that are going to probably cause all sorts of interference for a while until the atmosphere rights mm. itself.
0: I've got actually, too, a, a ham operator expert. For those of you listening, you've been asking about that as well. So I'm working on that. I made that contact this past week, and I should be able to get that booked here in the next couple of weeks as well. Where We'll get somebody on and talk about that because that's another one, too, Bobby, where if a lot of the equipment that the ham radio operators themselves have, if they're not shielding those, they're going to be inoperable. Am I right?
1: That's correct. There's wires that run through it. There's electrical components and boards and all this other stuff that will induce that overage. It will overheat, and it will fry itself.
0: So what—dumb question maybe on my part—what— you know you mentioned some of the smaller devices some of the little handheld scopes and maybe even some battery operated flashlights and so on but you know wh- what devices you know do people use on a routine basis that run you know granted if it runs off electricity it's going to be affected by what we're talking about anyways but my point is you know what you know, we think we're thinking on large scale big devices cars your home and so on but but what other you know everyday use items are we not thinking about that need to be protected or at least have a spare tucked around you know you know t- you know, tucked about into a faraday cage or something along those lines what are we forgetting
1: well it depends on what your goal is going to be after the event um if you have children and they're going to need to be entertained while you're doing your best to set traps and you know play caveman for a while you might want to put their some of their electronic devices in faraday bags you might want to have some spare uh, tablets that are non-internet tablets that are preloaded with things for them to do. Mm. my group has maps on tablets, but they're non-internet tablets. Good point. And these, and these tablets are, you know, they're, they're a larger tablet because they're older. Right. But we have all sorts of maps and 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 cookbooks and things like that stored on them, and they're stored in Faraday bags.
0: So instead of taking that old iPad or that old device that you maybe were just going to toss to the side or you are going to put on you know, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace for, you know, pennies on the dollar, do what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, we did. It's a backup. Sure, we have books and we have stuff that we put back in paper form, but that stuff's heavy. It takes up yeah, space. good point. And when you're living in the world after an EMP, space yeah. is going to be very valuable. Yes, it so is. So consolidate down, you know, and protect it. Space and what
0: you're able to carry around with you, right? That's correct. Yeah, you know, I think the other thing, too, that, that I'd like to talk about for a few minutes, even after the break, Bobby, is just people's mindset on, oh, well, I'm going to be home, I'll just hunker down, I'll be fine. Well, what if something happens and that's you know, home's not an option?
1: Right. Uh, well, this is why we always try to tell people when they ask us, when people ask me my personal opinion on what they should protect first, I tell them their vehicle, because this will likely happen just because of the rules and the odds of, you know, Murphy's Law. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be at home. Um, You're going to be at Walmart. You're going to be picking your kid Mm. up from school. You're going to be at the grocery store. You're going to be out coming back from an eye appointment. And if you are the only person with a working car, you can get the heck out of there as quickly as you can before people catch on. It gives you a step up and an edge.
0: All right, hold on to that thought. i got some other things I want to throw into that as well. Again, Bobby Spaggs joining us right now. He is from EMP Shield. You can actually go to ready-radio.com and get to EMP Shield that way, or go right to empshield.com. And, again, there's a great discount there. Just put in Ready Radio. That's all you've got to do as far as that goes and get a nice discount on their products, which will, again, protect everything that we're talking about right now, home and auto. They've even got some bundles on the website. Check some of those out as well where you can protect more than one device, more than one car as my point we'll be right back though this is ready radio klz 560
2: you need a roof that is going to keep you and yours protected from the colorado elements this winter but having a reliable functioning roof doesn't mean you should have to compromise your bank account here at roof savers colorado we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement with a rejuvenation treatment this 100 plant-based product gives you new roof performance without new roof costs but sometimes a replacement is absolutely necessary With over 20-plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your family. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. Contact Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado, today, and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCo.com today to ensure your family is protected.
3: We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference.
0: In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local, family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site, and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. All right, we're back. Ready Radio KLZ five sixty. Thanks for joining us again. We got a, guest, a special guest with us today. Been with us before, uh, Robert Spagnolo, but it's Bobby Spags for short. EMP Shield, and he's also got his own YouTube channel, Spags. Unfiltered. We were talking a moment ago, Bobby, about vehicles and just you, you want to have transportation. I agree with you. You're most likely not going to have this happen. And I think, especially if it's an attack from another country, you're not going to have this happen in the uh, dark of night. You know, you know it, it just isn't going to work that way. They're going to look at what, in fact, I'm not so sure that's not what the Chinese were doing with their balloons looking at traffic patterns and rush hour traffic and when are things the most congested in different cities and if we were to launch something along those lines when when would we get the most uh, bang for the buck if you would out of doing so and I really feel like Bobby that it would happen during probably one of the most busiest times of the year and also either the hottest or coldest times of the year as well because they want to have the most effect possible if you ask me.
1: I would 100% agree with that. I think that cold is the most likely scenario, but not the only. Uh, cold and hungry are what tyrants from all generations have used to control people. True. and Hungry, that combination. Now, hot and hungry, yeah, that's miserable, too, man. I've been to Iraq and the desert, and I know what that's like. So, yeah, it's going to uh, be... Yeah, I think either, either and
0: extreme, and you know what, that's what they're going to look at. They're looking at extremes. How do we have the most effect? Now, I tend to think just because of the darkness, the short daylight hours that we have, especially in North America here in the US. Um, I realize there's a little more sunlight down towards the south, but you get up towards the north, there's very little uh sunlight in the dead of winter. You know, you start talking mid December, uh, Bobby. I don't you know, just, just my own personal, you know, feelings and you believe me, these guys think very much like you do, you know, calculation wise along those lines. They're not dumb. You take a really, you know, busy traffic day, combine that with some sort of a a potential, you know, snow, large snow event that might be hitting half of the U.S., and then take all the power out, Bobby, that is a huge recipe for disaster.
1: Sure. And I would bet that they would do it around the holidays for the simple fact that people would have spent most of their savings of the year already, and they're not going to have disposable cash on hand.
0: Correct. Yeah, and and by the way, they're not doing it on a day we're all going to be inside, like Christmas or New Year's. They'll do it on you know two or three days before or after that I event. Mean, not even after, because a lot of people are even home between the holidays. Bobby, if they do it, it's going to be a week or so in advance when everybody's hustling and bustling about. I think so. I, I just that now along those lines, you're in your vehicle, you've got EMP shield, you're able to actually go from A to B. Now I'm going to tell you something, folks, and please believe me when I say this: if you don't find yourself or if you don't have on yourself at that time, something to be armed with, look out. Because if you've got a vehicle running and no one else does, there will be people out there wanting to have your vehicle. Am I right, Bobby?
1: Absolutely. This is why we have high-capacity magazines.
0: Yeah, you've got to make sure that you're protected. And this is where it gets a little dicey for folks. And this is not in the EMP Shield world because you've got to go outside of that to do what I'm saying. If you don't have the ability to have that vehicle with some sort of a – A uh, weapon, if you would, where you're armed, if something like that were to happen, key being you've got to make sure that that's locked up and concealed and just a regular thief can't see that and grab that if they're out and about doing the other things they're doing, which right now, uh, Bobby, you may not know that, but this Denver metro area, we are the highest car theft area in the country, probably in the world right now. We lose over 100 cars a day to thieves. So point being, Yes, you got to make sure that you're you're able to uh um, defend yourself if in fact you're in that situation, you're the only one driving around, but you also got to do it in such a way that things are secure, you're going to lose it.
1: Sure, absolutely. If you can't carry it on your person, you better make sure it's locked in a way you can still get to it, but they can't find it. When you
0: when we talk about vehicles just for a moment as well, Bob, and something I've thought a lot about being a car guy, I tend to kind of be the guy that you know, if uh if 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 everything hits the fan i'd rather have something diesel operated versus gas operated because i know diesel can be made in a still there's ways to actually make diesel fuel that you can't do you know you can't refine uh you know i mean you can with you know some of the grain alcohols and so on but that gets a little little not little it's a lot more dicey than just making your own homebrew diesel fuel so i'm kind of one of those guys that says if i'm going to have a vehicle to bug out and i want a diesel what are your thoughts
1: I think that that's uh, very, very true, plus diesel, I think, shelves longer than gasoline as well.
0: It t- as long as you treat it, it can, it can develop an algae and, su- and such in, in diesel fuel, but yes, as long as you're treating it and you're keeping track of that end of things, yeah, it's got as long or longer shelf life than what gasoline has as long as you're treating it correctly. So yes, that's correct.
1: Yep. And what people, and this leads to another question we get asked a lot. A lot of diesel trucks have two batteries. Yes. And they ask if they need two devices, and the answer is no. You only need one because diesel trucks, their batteries are in line.
0: Yes. They're connected to one another. That is correct. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk through this, though. Let's say that there's an. There's somebody out there listening to where maybe they've kind of got their bug-out rig, uh, they've got their diesel truck, and maybe they've got a camper or something on the back of that. What do they need to do as far as the camper goes? I mean, whether it be a slip-in or whatever the case may be, what do they need to do with the camper if that's something they plan on bugging out
1: in? As far as getting it hardened for EMP or yes, for getting prepared?
0: Getting hardened.
1: uh, if if the camper has electrical, we have a plug-in model. It's called the plug-in model on the on the website, and it basically plugs into a 110 outlet and it becomes part of the antenna of that camper. Uh ah. It also has a gang box with six additional um, plug-ins that are on the far side of the EMP shield device.
0: Okay, so it's it, it so that makes it really easy actually as far as that goes. Yes. Okay. Now, I also know, that just from looking at the website, you've got a radio protection device as well. That's something you and I have never talked about. Uh, we got a few minutes left. Talk about that, if you would.
1: Sure. The antenna models, uh, I, I lightly touched on it when, the, when you had that last caller. For ham radios, you have uh, the uh, antennas. These devices go in line with the antenna, and then there's a ground that can have a wire run to a grounding rod. Okay. Um, the one thing I would caution your listeners on, and your ham radio guys are going to know this, you put that in line, it's going to change the length of your antenna, even just by uh, two or three inches, which okay. is what it is. So you'll have to retune your antenna once you put it in line, so ah, keep that in mind.
0: Okay, so just as long as people remember that, there you go, and that's how they would protect right. all of their devices. Uh, so again, you have it on the house, that's where the power supply end of it is. This is protecting the, the antenna side, I guess you could say, because to your point, man, that thing ends up being one big, huge, because they are one big, huge, gigantic antenna.
1: Yep, it's, it'll, and it induces for however many feet uh, tall it is. You know, it depends how big that is. But, yeah, it, it absolutely will induce okay. all through it.
0: How does that handle the lightning side of things? I'm guessing the same way.
1: Exact same way. It's okay. pretty much, I mean, it's, it's tall. If it attracts lightning and you get hit and that device is plugged in, it will protect your radio.
0: Okay, so so there you go, folks. And, again, all of this can be found at EMPShield.com. If you buy anything, please put in the code ready radio. You get some discounts by doing so. We get a little credit for that as well, which we appreciate you guys on the EMP, EMP shield side as well, Bobby. We really appreciate it. Um, one last thing for you when it comes to just you know preparedness. I know I ask this a lot, and pretty much any guess I always have, on what do you feel and and I know we have only got a few minutes left but what do you feel is one of the biggest things overlooked outside of this end of things that we've spent roughly the last you know 45 minutes or so on what do you feel is the biggest item people miss when it comes to prepping
1: feminine hygiene products
0: okay easy enough
1: it's a health issue it's a, it's a health issue it deals with water and trash and it deals with directly with some of the most susceptible parts to the female anatomy If you're not looking into alternative methods of what you will do to prevent or to handle feminine needs, you need to start looking into it.
0: Yeah, I think just hygiene, too, in general. And I've talked about that some on this particular program in that hour. And again, people can have everything from, you know, you know, medical things to vitamins to all these different things. But if they don't have the ability to keep their hygiene up, as we know, just from looking at history, Bobby, more people probably throughout the world you know, over all those years, the millennials died from bad hygiene as they did anything else.
1: Yes, bad hygiene and tainted
0: water. Yeah, bad hygiene, tainted water, two big ones. All right, Bobby, I'll let you go. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you guys have been super busy on the EMP Shield side. One last question. Any shows, any places you're going to be that our folks uh, need to know about where they can go and see you guys in person?
1: Yes, uh, March, let me think here, Uh, the end of March, March 25th, 6th, and 7th, I believe, I'm going to be in Camden, Tennessee, at the Self-Reliance Festival at John Willis's oh. compound. Um, so I'll be there all weekend staffing in the EMP Shield booth.
0: Awesome. Okay. If, if uh, You know what? Send me some more info on that. We'll get that up on the website as well, Bobby. Let folks know about that. And if there's any, anybody out that's you know, looking to maybe have a little mini vacation, do that at the same time they can.
1: All right. I'll send you the info. All right. Send me that today. info.
0: We'll get that up on the website, and I'll talk about it as well.
1: All right. Thanks Bobby, thanks, man.
0: Appreciate it very much. Thanks for all you're doing, sir. I really appreciate it. Yep.
1: Have a
0: good day. You bet. You do the same. That is, again, uh, Bobby, Bobby Spaggs. It's short for Robert Spagnolo. Again, EMP Shield. He's also got his own YouTube channel called Spags Unfiltered. One last thing here before we uh, get going here. got a minute, minute left or so is all. William Fortune. I'm sure I'm saying that right. It's, it's F-O-R-S-T-C-H-E-M, but I think it's pronounced Fortune. He wrote the books, there's a trilogy of them, One Second After is the name of the first book. He will be with us next Friday, so that will be the 10th of March during this Ready Radio Hour. Now, how long I get him, I I will do my best to keep him as long as possible. Uh, I'm guessing he'll be able to join us for the majority of our hour just because this is near and dear to him and what he's even written three books on, the very things that we talk about on a weekly basis. And, again, some of the questions that I'm going to ask him, some of the initial questions are just going to be, if he had to write his book again today, knowing everything that's happened through COVID and all the rest of the stuff that we've been through, would he change any of his uh, any his predictions? I guess is the way I would say that when it comes to what would happen, deaths and so on. My gut feeling is he's probably going to say yes. He would change things, just knowing what's happened through COVID and, and even how you know how susceptible you know things are, and or how reliant a lot of people have gotten. Uh, you know, have become when it comes to government, making sure that they're taken care of. I think he's going to give us some some revised numbers, but we'll find out when we talk to him next week so I'll, I'll make some promos on that remind you all on on uh, rush to reason this week as well that he'll be joining us next friday but if you have anybody out there that wants to listen in and hear him you know literally in person next friday be sure to mention that and we'll have him here on ready radio next week so hey rush to Reason's coming up next again this has been a live show on march the 3rd if you listen to a replay thank you very much go right to ready-radio.com for all of your preparedness info this is ready radio klz 560